Kia ora everyone, I'm Andrew Whiteside. Well, in the last few days, the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has said that his government was delaying new religious discrimination laws, saying the legislation has overreached its initial intention. There have been fears in Australia that the proposed legislation could have seriously negative consequences for many Australians and put religious rights above any other type of right. A few days before Morrison's announcement, I spoke with Tasmanian-based human rights advocate Rodney Croom about the legislation. Here is that interview. Rodney Croom, really nice to talk to you. It's been a few years since I met you in Tasmania, (laughs) many, many years ago. Um, Thank you for uh, spending some time with me today. I know how busy you are. So we're covering this um, proposed legislation, uh, religious freedom legislation in Australia. And I understand there are actually three pieces uh, of legislation, but they will quite dramatically affect the situation around human rights law in Australia. So, so what is actually going on there? What are they proposing? Well, Andrew, thanks for having me on. Um, and, uh, and yes, the legislation is quite complex. So let's try and make it as simple as possible. Um, our federal government uh, has said that it wants to prohibit discrimination on the grounds of religion in federal law, which is something that most Australians agree with, and I certainly agree with. Uh, most of Australia's states prohibit religious discrimination, and uh, there should be federal legislation that does the same thing. However, the legislation that the government's brought forward in an attempt to ban religious discrimination goes much further than that. There are basically uh, three main problems with this particular legislation. The first is that it undermines inclusive uh, pol- uh, inclusion policies uh, in businesses and, you know, and non-government organisations by allowing employees to say whatever they want, to write whatever they want, um, uh, even if it uh, demeans and diminishes and offends other employees and staff members and and customers, um, if that's in the name of religion. So people can say say whatever they want if it's in the name of religion. And and that is what's called the Israel Falau Clause. Um, It comes out of the controversy that we've had in Australia about the sacking of Israel Falau from um, high-profile role in football uh, because of his tweets, which have been quite offensive towards various members of the community, not least LGBTI people. The second part of the legislation that's causing problems is that um, it allows healthcare providers uh, to refuse treatment to whoever they want uh, at any stage, uh, again, based on their religious belief. Uh, And we're not just uh, talking about a conscientious objection, say, to a termination procedure or to being part of a euthanasia procedure. Um, It applies to optometrists, podiatrists, uh, physiotherapists, anyone who provides a healthcare service uh, can can say, no, I'm not um, treating you because you're gay or because you're a single mother or because you're transgender. Um, so, presumably, uh, uh, so presumably if there was a traffic accident and a first responder was on the scene, what you're saying is under this legislation they could say, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to treat you because you, you fall out of parameters that uh, my religion accepts. Precisely. And there's not even a provision uh, that would compel them to, to find another service provider. So not, there's not even that kind of basic safety net. Um, and uh, obviously the concern there is not only emergency situations that 
you've described, but also uh, health service provision in rural and remote areas of Australia where there's hardly any uh, service providers already. Um, and if we have service providers saying, no, I'm not going to treat you, then um, uh, people may have to travel you know, immense distances to, to access services. I, I became aware of a situation uh, that's pertinent to this just last month in, in my home state of Tasmania where a young woman who's a single mother uh, was wanted to buy condoms from a pharmacy in a rural, in a town of only a couple of thousand people in, in, in the north of Tasmania. And the pharmacist said, no, I'm not, I don't want to serve you. I'm not going to uh, provide you with these condoms. And she had to travel 150 kilometres to the nearest pharmacy. She could make a complaint under, uh, against, of, of, of discrimination against that pharmacist if she wished. Um, but under the proposal, proposed federal law, um, she couldn't. The, the pharmacist would be within their rights to refuse that, that service. Um, and in fact, if a complaint was made against the pharmacist uh, for violating professional ethics, for instance, then the pharmacist could take a complaint of uh, alleging religious discrimination. Even if their industry or their company has guidelines around this, like even the Hippocratic Oath, I'm assuming, comes into this, that, that all of that would be overridden because their religious belief would take precedence over the, the rights of other people. Yes. This legislation has a perverse effect of turning someone who is exercising their power as a professional health um, service provider uh, in an arbitrary and unfair way. Uh, the legislation turns it around and, and, and they become the victim. It, um, they become the person who has the right who has the right to take a complaint. That is, like I said, that's perverse. It, it seems strange, isn't it? I think most of us, when we consider these kinds of issues, think of you know a, a, a cake supplier not not wanting to do a cake for a, um, a same sex couple. But this is actually quite dangerous because lives are at stake. People's basic health is at stake because of because of the implications of this. Indeed, people's people's lives and their well-being and their health um, is at risk. So in, in a sense... Uh, and, then... and, and, and that's why um, a, a large number of health bodies are becoming involved in lobbying against this bill. Um, we've seen statements from the Australian Medical Association, from um, health providers' unions, uh, against, against the bill. Um, women's health groups in particular are up in arms because they know that the discrimination will... the burden of discrimination will fall... Um, uh, particularly heavily on uh, on women whose reproductive choices uh, may may conflict with traditional religious uh, values. Um, so a lot of those groups are, are lobbying the government on this at the moment. One thing that uh, when I was looking into the story that interested me, the, the Australian Human Rights Commission was saying that what was different about this legislation, proposed legislation, is that it elevates, uh, for the first time, it elevates uh, corporations and institutions into, into law, whereas normally human rights legislation is about people. So business, businesses, businesses and charities could make uh, claims that they are being discriminated against based on their um, religious beliefs or practices. Yes, indeed, but they would need to be uh, a faith-based. So that, that, that makes it even more uh, a more, diffi a more difficult situation. The Human Rights Commission is correct that um, organisations have been given personhood, if you like, under discrimination law for the first time. 
um, but only if they're faith-based. So not only uh, not only are we giving this extra legal status to organisations, we are selected, picking out particular organisations and saying only them. Other organisations not. Only those with uh, a faith-based, you know, with a, faith, a foundation in faith. So churches, um, uh, faith-based schools, faith-based hospitals, they uh, will be given this new legal status not available to other organisations. There was a, a third point I mentioned about this legislation that is particularly difficult, and I'll, I'll just mention that before we lose track of it. Um, the proposed federal law seeks to uh, water down existing state, territory, and in some cases federal anti-discrimination laws. Um, and the worst example of that is in my home state of Tasmania where the federal law will, um, if it's passed, override a provision in our Anti-Discrimination Act that protects Tasmanians from humiliating, intimidating, insulting and ridiculing language. Uh, that's Section 17 of our Anti-Discrimination Act is specifically mentioned in the federal bill as, as, as a provision that it, that it wants to override so that it is possible, that the federal law would make possible, um, would, make, would make legal, uh, humiliating and intimidating language if it is in the name of religion. Um, that provision in Tasmania has been really important in removing hate speech from our society and creating a more mature public debate, particularly about LGBTI issues, but not only LGBTI issues. Um, the majority of complaints under that section are from people with disability. Uh, it seems that uh, people with disability are particularly prone to those kinds of humiliating and insulting and intimidating uh, the, the language that is, that is prohibited under that section. Um, racial and religious minorities are also, have also made quite a few members thereof have made complaints under that section. Um, and yet the federal government wants to override that section so that uh, people of faith can say whatever they want that's humiliating and intimidating of others. Um, I just find that appalling from a moral point of view because I don't remember Jesus ever going out and saying, oh, humiliate and intimidate people in my name. But from a constitutional point of view, it's also really fraught. Um, never before has the federal government attempted to override a state anti-discrimination act. Usually federal and state anti-discrimination laws in Australia sit side by side um, and, and each is allowed you know, its own constitutional sphere. But all of a sudden the federal government will be trying to use its power to water down a state anti-discrimination act. That is simply appalling. And to do it just to allow people of faith to do, say things which are humiliating of others, I think is um, a real indictment on our federal government. It, it seems quite bizarre as well, because you're talking about legislation that is supposed to be about humans getting on better and behaving better, in, in, in essence. And this seems to be, well, if you have a religious belief or if you claim to have a religious belief, then you can get away with saying whatever you like about whomever you like. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, Australian anti-discrimination law, um, like anti-discrimination law in New Zealand, uh, they've been in place for 30 or 40 years now and have helped to foster a much more inclusive and respectful society. Our anti-discrimination laws have had a demonstrably positive impact on creating a better world for us all. 
Um, and to try and roll that back uh, so that... Uh, uh, to, to, to give a, in the name of giving a green light to humiliating and, and um, demeaning comments in the name of religion uh, is not only a slap in the face to those minorities who will be most affected by that, LGBTI people, women, people with disability, like I mentioned before, racial and religious minorities. It's also a slap in the face to the idea that of social progress, that we can actually foster a more inclusive and respectful society. I think the people who are putting forward these ideas are saying, no, we don't believe in that. We don't believe in that goal. Um, and that, to me, is just abhorrent because I still hold fast to the idea that we can live in an ever more inclusive and respectful society and that discrimination laws have a key role in helping to foster that. One of the arguments that comes up against this kind of, uh, against any, um, I suppose if you think of a libertarian view of human rights legislation and so on, that, well, it's just free speech and people should be able to say what they want to say. Uh, obviously we hear that argument quite a bit, but I think in this case it's being applied disingenuously um, because the proposal is not to allow free speech across the board. It's only to allow free speech if it's in the name of religion. Um, the proposal coming from our federal government will give special legal privileges to people of faith, and in particular people of faith who have you know, conservative, traditional, religious views that they feel like they need to express, um, even if that causes harm and hurt to other people. Uh, let's take the Tasmanian law I mentioned before that is uh, the, the federal government wants to override. It prohibits humiliating, uh, intimidating and offensive language. Um, there are many laws which prohibit that kind of language. Um, including in Australia laws that prohibit uh, offense, uh, causing offence to politicians or, or intimidating politicians. Um, uh, defamation laws do the same kind of thing, uh, usually for powerful people who are able to actually utilise those laws. So there are all these laws there to protect powerful people from being offended and humiliated and intimidated. We have one law that protects the powerless, the vulnerable, and that is a law that the government wants to attack and undermine, again, in the name of religion. So, in my mind, um, this isn't a, libert a genuine libertarian project. This isn't trying to expand the, the freedom of individuals to say and do whatever they want. It's using the language of freedom to give special privileges to, the, um, to traditional religious faith uh, and powerful people within those faith. You mentioned earlier uh, the parallel with the movement in the United States to allow bakers uh, to, to refuse to bake cakes for same-sex couples who are getting married. Um, there are very close links between that religious freedom movement in the United States and the same movement here. Um, both, have arisen, both arose in the wake of marriage equality uh, and, and both attempt to roll back the, um, the achievements of LGBTI people and, and other traditionally marginalised groups. Um, and while they use the language of human rights, while they use the language of freedom, really what it's all about is entrenching the traditional privileges of conservative religious leaders. That was Rodney Croom speaking about the proposed changes to human rights law in Australia.
Now, since that interview was recorded, the Australian government has announced they are delaying the legislation and re-looking at this issue. I'm Andrew Whiteside. Do visit my website, andrewwhiteside.com, and thank you for listening.